Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. And of course, I am joined by Dan LaMagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. And Dan, please, real quick, before you jump in, everybody on Twitter saw that you got a brand new car. Please tell me you did not get a Mini Cooper strictly because of Amari Cooper. Please tell me. John, you know, as we always try to offer the best product for our listeners every week, you know, similar to a high stakes ADP or the quantity of dynasty teams you guys have to show we have skin in the game. I thought I would buy my car after my highest owned wide receiver, you know, to show a conviction and more skin in the game. That's all. What's wrong with I, that, John? And I truly believe that. I really do. But then we're also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? Hey, what's going on, guys? So you have the Billy Sims jersey. You have the DeAndre Swift jersey. Mm-hmm. And you have that really nice structure behind you with the football. Are you doing any anything else with the fan cave down there? I really want to get a signed Matthew Stafford football. But the site that I buy from right now, the prices have just skyrocketed with this COVID situation. And so I'm going to have to wait a while to get one. But yeah, that's my goal is to get the Matthew Stafford sign ball now. I mean, we can just say the site. It's pristine auction. And I'm it always on there. Yep. And I, it's like, what is going on? I, I know everybody's locked in their house still. But those prices have just been absurd. But I did get a really good price on the Kenny Galladay jersey that's going to be going right there. And then Michael's going to move behind me. But he's had enough time. In the spotlight. Now we have talked about this countless times. Show me a, a a dynasty show, a fantasy show that has had better guests than we have. And I'm going to call you a liar. And that is no different than tonight. This is actually one of our first guests when we were the super flexology fantasy football show. And Mitch, you were unable to make it. Our show should be the most important thing for you, Mitch. Just so you it, know. It really should, but it's not. But then, but then she, she is also one of our first repeat guests. And it is none other than Yahoo fantasy analyst Liz Loza. That is at Liz Loza underscore FF on Twitter. What's going on, Liz? Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me back. You might not remember this, but whenever you were on the show last time, we talked about the room. You know, I I asked you your experience with that. But then before we even started the show, I said, Liz, you know, I would love to have you back on in the future. And you were like, well, let's see how this goes. I always joke about it because I've told that story to people. I'm like, it's like if you go on a first date with somebody and before you even get to the restaurant, you're like, hey, let's go on a second date. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Cool your Jets guy. Cool your Jets. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Also, I mean, I will say, I don't know if I should say this, but. Um, been at the beach all day. I'm having an early happy hour cocktail. So LFG. Um, sometimes you go on a podcast and you know, you, unless otherwise instructed, you're expecting to be there between 30 and at most 90 minutes, probably an hour. Sometimes you go on a podcast and you're there till for like two and a half hours. And I'm like, not doing this one again. Like you didn't tell me two and a half hours, you know, it just like keeps going. I don't know. I I will say that sometimes like that's always my uh, barometer. It's like, can we, can we get to it? Can we, you know, I also remember when I first started out, there was this, whenever I'd prepare something, I do this research, like there was a need. And when John Evans and I did the X's and Y's podcast forever, and that was my, my first solo show, we'd research something. And then there was this need to like talk about the stinking stat because you had to own it because you did the work instead of sacrificing that moment of spotlight to keep the show going. And I would get mad at John because he'd be like, just, I just want to go back a second. I was like, there's no going back. We don't go back. Like there is only forwards. I'm sorry that you like wanted to look up this player's slot percentage and you didn't get to say it moving on. And I feel like you guys do a really good job of like, eh, maybe we didn't hit all of the points, but what's important is that people are still listening. Mm-hmm. And and that's why Mitch and Dan, they're critical to this operation, because if it weren't for them, I would do a five hour show, I think. And it, no. like, I, I would I would talk about everything and oh. I, and I'll talk sometimes and Mitch and Dan are like, John, shut the hell up, man. And I'm like, all right, we'll we'll move along here. But yeah, again, Liz, thank you so much for coming back on the show. And 
We have the full team tonight, so I'm excited to jump into it. But before we do, I want to step away and have one word, one minute from our sponsor. Who out there is ready to unveil their summer body? I'll be the first to admit that quarantine hasn't necessarily been great for my physique, but at least I don't look like I'm wearing a bear rug on my chest. I have already gone on one vacation this year, and even though I might not have that six-pack, guys, my chest, it was silky smooth. Go to manscaped.com and check out the Perfect Package 3.0 kit, which includes the Lawnmower 3.0 body trimmer with a ton of other great stuff. And if you subscribe to the Perfect Package, not only are you going to get a new blade refill delivered to your front door every three months, but for a limited time, you're going to get two free gifts. You're going to get the travel bag and also the high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. And I can tell you, they are beyond comfortable. So go over to manscaped.com, check out all of the great products they have, and use code THEORY20 to get not only 20% off, but also free shipping. Again, that's code THEORY20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. We do the live read sometimes, but I will tell you, and Mitch and Dan, they miss out on this. I actually have a lot of fun doing those reads. I, I, I do. And I'll tell my wife the things that I say, and she's like, why would you say that? Like when I said I was silky smooth, and I am, you know, but it's crazy because I am, a, I am, I, I'm Italian, but I, he's, wa- I, I, he's wound tonight, Liz. We apologize. I, I am. I am. We threw the challenge flag early here. You don't have to prove to me that you have a problem <laughs> shutting up. Like you just... Case in point, also, I will say, so everyone knows, in a very gentlemanly way, John said, um, I want you to know there's a manscaping ad, so if that makes you feel uncomfortable, and I definitely replied with, where was manscaping when I was single? I mean, it existed, but it wasn't just like, duh, you got to be, quote, silky smooth to tap this. No, (laughs) I, I got some exfoliation. Okay. And, and I, always, I, I do that, you know, especially when we have the female guests, I want to say, are you comfortable with this? Because we never want to overstep, you know, but um, when you said that, I was like, Liz, please say that. Bring that up when we go live. But anyway, that is enough about Manscaped. Go check out the products because they really are fantastic. Now, Liz, you recently, well, first of all, you're always spitting out incredible content. But recently you've come out with a series and it's Rest versus Rust. And my sister came over earlier today and she said, can I do, can I do your chalkboard? And she put that together right there. And if I did it, so I did it previously. It was just like with chalk, like rest versus rest, Liz, Liz, like it looked terrible. So I, I do want to say thank you to my sister for putting the chalkboard together. And I, I joked with her after she put it together. I said, oh my God, it's rust versus rest. And then she, she looked at me and I was like, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so you put together the series and let's get into it. The first player, Ben Roethlisberger. So do you think he's rested? Do you think he's going to have rust? What are your thoughts here on Ben? So real quick, shout out to Nicole. I love her. We became <laughs> friends on Twitter. Ooh, my door slammed. It's a ghost. Um, that was the that was the spirit of Nicole high-fiving me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, lady. Um, and, and, and people do typically like her more than they like me. So I understand that. Mm-hmm. That's true. She's super yes. cool. We became friends on Twitter this weekend, I guess, last not last night, the night before, I guess. It's yep. all running together. Um, so thank you, Nicole. I appreciate the the signage. Um, Rest versus Rust came about because I had noticed that in going on a lot of podcasts and even the Yahoo Fantasy Football podcast, there was like some reticence among producers, talent, whatever, analysts to talk about covid in a real way and i was like this is ridiculous like we're living through a global pandemic we're gonna pretend like route trees are the same like we just like there's something ginormous that we are as a globe experiencing and sports is like a microcosm for how if maybe it works and um so i reached out or actually this doctor reached out to me initially asking if I wanted to speak with him from a medical point of view about the effects of COVID on sports. That has morphed into another project I'm working on, which is a fun, like different exercise from fantasy. It's more of an investigative approach about the effects of COVID on youth sports because youth sports are waiting to see what the pro leagues do. And there's a trickle down effect. Um, It's also fascinating, just as a side note, 
from a socioeconomics point of view, because like public schools probably won't have team sports, but private schools, because they're smaller, because they have larger endowments, um, better loopholes, attorneys, et cetera, will probably have sports. And so those kids then who go to public schools and who are maybe more economically disadvantaged are in a very difficult position. Anyway, the doctor and I hit it off. He is an orthopedic surgeon and team physician at University of Southern California. I'm based in LA. Um, and I started talking to him about like what happens if there isn't, I know that we just, Mike Palacero reported that training camps are scheduled to start on time, July 27th for the majority of players. But what if that doesn't happen? Or what if there isn't a preseason right now, the NFLPA and the NFL are split as to whether it'll be completely gone in terms of games, preseason games, or if it will be, you know, the, the NFLPA does not want any preseason games. The NFL is wanting to compromise it too. So what happens to players' bodies, right? Like for the most part, these aren't all Larry Fitzgerald, 30 some year old vets who are used to training and discipline. A lot of these kids are like 22, 23 years old, all of a sudden making a bunch of money in some cases. And without that discipline and structure, like what could potentially happen? And he was talking a lot about, you know, I, I actually thought about the lockout as well and how many Achilles injuries happened after that, just because of a different kind of conditioning, as much as we would love the like, montage scenes from Rocky, they don't necessarily work when your body is supposed to be at game speed level, right? Um, yes, I love it, Dan. Um, one of my favorite, Rocky Four, the best Rocky in my estimation. Liz, you're, you're awesome. Okay. Keep going. Uh, if he dies, he dies. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And oh, oh that's a whole nother side. Okay. Um, I'll even just last thing will say that like Rocky, I've watched the Creed movies and Rocky six, which is just Rocky, I believe is awesome. And when you see like old Sylvester Stallone with like abs spray painted onto him, I was here for it. Did not matter. Don't care. Anyway. Rob, Liz, you've talked about like 10 different topics that have like piqued my total interest. Youth sports, private cops, private schools, Rocky four, Let's do a separate Rocky podcast or something. I don't Fine. Know. I will do it. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? And, like, and can, I, can I say really quick, I bet you Rocky, he probably uses Manscaped products. You, you, <laughs> would, ha you, would, you would have to think, right? I mean, you I have a Rocky story for him. as a maybe a, a precursor to that or, you know. His, uh, his, uh, autograph, his autograph is in there after his security team kicked me out of the hotel he was staying in thinking I was, like, stalking him, which I, I really wasn't. I mean, maybe you sort were. of. Sliced the loads? Yes, yes. That's another 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 story. I have me, met so. um, the guy who played Apollo Creed. Carl Weathers, yes. Yeah. Um anyway, so uh where is it? So anyway, the doctor and I started talking about that. And then he and I like just kind of kicked it off and I was like, I'm sorry I'm taking your time. And he was like, No, 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 like this is I can't believe someone's interested in what I do. <laughs> and so it kind of inspired this whole rest versus rust idea because as fantasy managers, we hear all the time like oh, well, this player hurt himself like in the preseason and he missed the entire season, so he'll be super rested. Um, I think about Trent Williams, right? The O-lineman from the Washington football team and like what a deal he's get, like what a deal the team that acquires him gets because he's so rested. And then you hear other clowns on Twitter saying like, oh, but he's full of rust. And so from a medical perspective, which is true? And that was what I wanted to figure out. When I started the series with Big Ben, because obviously Big Ben is the key to such awesome potential and fa potential fantasy production, right? You've got James Conner being affected. You've got Juju with a potential bounce back. Um, is, Deontay is Deontay Johnson actually going to be something? What about James Washington? Eric freaking Ebron is in Pittsburgh now. Like there's so much there and so much. If the argument last year was not, well, Lev Bell and Antonio Brown weren't there and the killer bees didn't exist, the argument against everybody's production was like, well, you had like a duck hunter under center. Like that doesn't count. So now what do we have under center? And I found it fascinating that the doctor who, the doctor I spoke to, Dr. Alex Weber, is familiar, friendly, like on a colleague level with the surgeon who did Ben's elbow. And he confirmed that there was no Tommy John reconstruction done. It was just for the ligament tear um, again, it happened early in the season. 
and he felt like the elbow would be perfectly fine. In fact, there was no, in his estimation, like worry about re-injury any more than his left elbow, his non-throwing elbow, that they were equivalent and, and fine. He thought, though, that game speed and at 38 years old, a bigger fellow, um, maybe not having the same conditioning, that he might, his timing would be off or anticipation would be off. And so the issue was less about the elbow specifically and more about um, just being out of shape, just being out of game shape. And so I looked at the first month of Pittsburgh's schedule and it's pretty okay. I mean, they've got week one, Giants. I don't need to talk about that, right? Like we don't need to go nope. through. No, you're okay. good on that. Week two, the Broncos. Yes, awesome new pieces added. However, maybe he's getting the Broncos at the best time to possibly get them because they're still going to be working out those kinks. Like there's still not cohesiveness, especially if this training camp situation is a little bit wonky, especially if the offseason's a little bit abbreviated. Then they have the Texans. We're fine. And then in week four, they get the Titans. Yes, but no longer Jarrell Casey is there, right? He's now going to Denver. So where's that pass rush going to be? So I think if Ben, based on the ease of his schedule, is able to shake off rust in the first month, get back to game speed, he will be fine. And the rest of the pieces in Pittsburgh will also be five. And because there is doubt, you're getting all of those pieces, Juju and James Conner especially, at such a discount. So I, I have not taken part in many best baller redraft leagues up to this point because, shocker, Dynasty Theory – we focus on dynasty, but I, I saw your, you know, I obviously I went through your articles, Liz and Juju is going wide receiver 29 in redraft. And then I, I, I checked. Um, it wasn't, Oh my gosh. Uh, the, the one fantasy site with the ADP and wide receiver. Yes. Yep. Yes. Holy cow. Like you have to think that he just like lost both of his legs to slip to that point. But I don't know why you were your thumbs up there, John. You notice how happy he was getting there, Liz, as you're talking up his Steelers. Although in the back of him is a Adams jersey and a Gallup jersey <laughs> and a soon-to-be Galladay jersey. But uh, it, I get it. And I think with redraft, you know, you can get Ben at a value there. You know, per your point, the ADP and Juju at a value. But, you know, age discrimination warning coming here. And, you know, I'm in From my From a 40. dynasty expert? No, you're kidding. <laughs> you know, I mean, 38. How many picks are you trading for, Dan? Okay, coming exactly. off from injury, his arm is like a wet noodle. I mean, it's sell, trade, get rid of him. I mean, I it depends on your fault. Like, uh, the dynasty league that I play in, that I have played in for, I don't know, I want to say eight years now, you you don't keep everybody, right? Like there's a, you're allowed to keep 10 at most. Um, so I would say, why are you, if you don't already have Jackson or Mahomes or maybe Prescott, well, why not grab yourself Ben this year, knowing that there's going to be another draft and knowing that you're going to find something. I mean, maybe Joey Burrow, if you don't have the right picks is the answer, but like outside of that, you spend a lot of money. If you spend a lot of picks or a high draft pick on Baker Mayfield, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Not good. And Liz, if you talk bad about Baker, Baker Mayfield one more time, Mitch might start jumping up and down. <laughs> he he is bashed. Well, respectfully bashed, bashed Baker Mayfield. But here's the thing in dynasty leagues. And Dan, you brought it up that you would, you would sell big Ben is now the time to sell those veterans. I don't think so because Mitch. Gonna get for them. Yeah, uh, that's exactly it. This used paper towel. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but Mitch, you and I were in a 14 team super flex league together. And Liz, just for uh, context, almost all the leagues that we're in, they are super flex. So obviously quarterback values, they're inflated a bit, but Mitch, you've asked me about Ben in our one fourteen team super flex league, the 100.7. What did I tell you? I'm not going to move him now. I'm going to wait until the season. And Liz brings up that first month schedule. Holy cow. He could be quarterback three, four, five, six at that point if he's not rusty and if he is rested. So, you know, Dan, you already brought up that you would try to sell him. I think that's a mistake at this point in time. Mitch, what are your thoughts on Ben? Dynasty, redraft. So right now in redraft, he is going, what, quarterback? It's late. It's really late. And then in dynasty, he's going two rounds later 
than the almost 40-year-old Drew Brees, who mm-hmm. is older than Ben Roethlisberger. And yeah, he might have a, a great season here, but I don't know if I would take him two rounds before Ben. What do you think? No, I, I, they're pretty close. They're in the exact same tier for me. For With that Steelers offense, their skill position players are awesome. You could even hate on Eric Ebron, but what Eric Ebron will bring to the tight end position is better than what they've had the last three years. And so a big thing for me is just looking at that, I'm willing to go out and acquire Ben Roethlisberger in Dynasty Leagues. If he gives you two years, that's as much as what you're getting from Tom Brady. And as hyped up as Tom Brady is, Ben Roethlisberger couldn't end up having a year just right underneath him for a fraction of the cost. But what about uh, these young – Dan, real quick. What about these younger guys that the expectation is longer than two years, but they lose their job? And they're going earlier than Ben Roethlisberger. I and you or guys those know guys me. suffer a regime change. Like that's the other thing with and, the younger players is that if they don't win out of the gate, now you're looking at a situation like Sam Darnold. And I've met, I've, I'm friends with Sam. Like we have spoke, I've interviewed him, I've worked with him. He is so smart. Like I don't think people. It was the summer. Yes, it was that summer that we hung out. I was not part of his city boy summer. Let me be very clear. But um, that caused a mono situation. But because <laughs> people definitely on Twitter were like, wait, didn't you hang out with him? And I was like, um, but he's so smart. He's so much more charismatic than you would ever imagine. I can completely understand him being the leader among men that you hear about quarterback traits needing to have, right? Um, and yet he's saddled with this regime change that is. I mean, where where is he in the rankings? Like nobody wants a piece of that offense, right? I mean, maybe you want Denzel Mims because you think he's a bit of a fighter and he has an underdog mentality because he came from Baylor and he'll have a huge target volume, but that's it, right? Liz, you might be my spirit animal because you talk about the regime changes. How often do we talk about dynasty and we're like, oh, well, I'm looking five years down the road. Things can change like that. And if we, if you look at what's going on in the world right now, and this doesn't make you realize that, I don't know what will. Oh my gosh. Just like on an existential level, like, did I say that right? I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think so. I count it. Um, I was supposed to leave today for Japan to cover the Olympics for three weeks. So don't talk to me about how plans change. Instead, I spent <laughs> it at the beach with my kids drinking Trulies out of a, I was actually drinking white, white claws out of um, a, thermos because there's no drinking allowed on the beach i did That's- see john some some karen left let her trulies out she just like let them out and these cops on atvs <laughs> gave her a ticket and she carried it right up in front i was like oh look at her go it is activated she is activated her and her son hat are not gonna pay this fine finally they get like she agreed to pay the ticket and i was like lady just put in a koozie or like you don't think there's some skinny girl up in this whole thing like what are you doing <laughs> and then they came back because she didn't get rid of it it's just they came back and gave her another ticket <laughs> just like i said in the manscaped commercial or the the promo i went to the beach trust me i had my fair share of trulies vizies white claws get a freaking solo cup they're $3 or whatever at the, the local general store. Pour it in there. Anyway, Dan, you, you look like you've been wanting to say something for a while. I think Liz totally threw me off here. I don't even know what we were talking about <laughs> at, this, at, at this point there. You know, I think it went way back when it was something about Big Ben and Tom Brady. And I was just going to say Brady's work ethics better than Big Ben's. And then we were talking about Darnold. And I wanted to move him up my ranks. Liz made some, gave some good feedback about him. You know, the tells you guy he is and the leader that he is on the field, but he is stuck in that Jets organization. And, you know, Liz, you, you took one of my buzz lines in one of your previous podcasts there with the team dysfunction and the guys bust me because I talk about that a lot, but you look at the Jets, they've had two winning coaches ever in the history of the organization. So even after Gase gets canned, which I think it's inevitable, what direction are they going? You know, maybe Joe Douglas gets them, you know, the right fit at some point, but Donald's in a tough situation. All right. Well, just like Liz said before the show started or as the show started, we don't want to keep her for two and a half hours. So what impact does Ben have on the rest of this roster from a short and long-term perspective? I mean, I think the most interesting piece is James Connor um, because I think he is the best value right now. I think 
he'll see fewer stacked boxes, obviously, with Big Ben under center. I mean, you it was so obvious, even to like non-hardcore football fans, that every opposing defense was like, all right, Duck, throw it. We dare you. And that wasn't happening. And I do think he obviously has durability issues. I don't think anyone is um, pretending that that's not the case. But also, if he's got more room, there's less chance for contact. There's less time for that to um, pile on. Will he probably get hurt a point this season? Sure. Can I see him playing a 13-game season as opposed to a 16-game season? Sure. Also, (laughs) welcome to not only the running back position, but the running back position in the time of COVID. You better be ready to draft yourself. Now, I don't really like drafting understudies immediately out of the gate. I usually think that week 10 is the time in redraft that you start adding understudies. But in Dynasty and in um, redraft, I think you are going to want to add Benny Snell, especially if your if your product is allowing for extended rosters. And I do think that Benny Snell is much more um, the understudy, the RB2 to Connor than McFarlane. Liz, you can tell that you used to be an actress because you just dropped understudy on us like five times right there. So can I be honest about that? I stopped using the word handcuff because I don't like some of the terminology within the fantasy community. I don't yep. like the word ownership. I have problems with the word auction. So um, me and my fellow um, colleagues at Yahoo actually have been try- have been efforting to use words that are more all-embracing. And utter study is the one I have chosen to use instead of handcuffs. So you point you you heard it, but it's also yes. a, a choice. No, I, I like that. A lot. Actually, Mitch, Dan, and myself, we've talked about this. And obviously, we saw what happened on Twitter this weekend with oh. some misogynistic comments. And it is so easy to say things like man cave. You know, and we've talked about this. Even making small changes like that, like fan cave. You know, I, I think there's a lot of it really makes an impact. So I really can't appreciate that. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Benny you, you Snell, were just so like nonchalant about Benny Snell too. Like just as an FYI, because I think some people are like, "Are you kidding me?" Like Benny Snell, he's so slow. There's no speed. I mean, what is the difference between Benny Snell and like what's the guy who was in Jacksonville that ever Toby Gerhardt? Like, what is the space right. between those yeah. guys? Right, like comp wise, and. I will say that at the, the so like the NFL rookies have like a, a meeting normally it's like in May at the Beverly Hills Hilton or something and I'm I'm based in LA and I go to it every year because I'll be honest like even though I don't play a ton of Dynasty it's largely because Yahoo doesn't have a Dynasty product so that makes sense right like that, like I like to play Dynasty my favorite part of the season is scouting all of the rookies because I don't really pay much attention to college ball during NFL season. I'm too busy. And then once the senior bowl happens, I start scouting all these players and it is my favorite time of the year. Like to write my, I have a notebook and I watch the tape and I write down characteristics. And then I, you know, after a while compare them to some of the people in the space that I really, really uh, respect. And then I always get the benefit of like meeting these guys at the Jersey reveal event that the NFL rookies put on. Clinton Portis, who I know from having done a different show, was at he Clinton Portis and I bonded over Naheem Hines' tape a couple of years ago. So I saw him at the rookie event, not obviously this past year, but the year before. And he was like, Oh my God, how are you? And I said, Hi. And he I was like, So of all of these guys, I took him aside. You know, here's David Montgomery and, and here's Josh Jacobs. And who's your favorite? And he was like, Let me tell you. And he pointed to Snell's jersey. He's like, Let me tell you, this kid's not fast but the organization loves him. And I was like, okay, notes. And I think you saw that as the Steelers started to fall apart and in the way they drafted this year. Now, I don't think he's going to be an RB1. I don't see him being a true workhorse, but I do think that he is, at least for right now, the number two to Connor. All right, so two things. One, you've brought up multiple times that you're on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And I, I yell at Mitch all the time about this. And I actually, I use air quotes. I yelled at you, Liz, about this in our DM. I asked you, what time are you available on, on Sunday? And you said 4.30. And I, I went back to Mitch and Dan. I said, all right, 4.30, we're doing a show. And I was like, wait, is that Pacific Eastern? You guys have to get on Eastern time. Come on. 
West Coast to the West Coast. I'm not doing that's it. That's right. <laughs> well, no, I'm changing everything to the mountain time zone. That's where the real people live. That is the least relevant time zone that there is. Nobody cares about mountain. What about like Wyoming? Come on, there's like 20 people out there. <laughs> anyway, Carson so Lynch would like beg to disagree with you. You know, he agrees with Mitch here. No, it's all about Eastern guys. Come on. So uh Mitch, James Connor. Jalen Samuels, McFarland, Snell. Where are you interested for dynasty purposes? I want James Conner. I'm still, Dan has talked me into him. Dan has been bringing him up for months. All the, If I could end up having James Conner on every single team, that's what I want to have. Because he has that upside to be the top 10 guy. You're not paying a 10, top 10 price for him. And I know we really hate to look at running back ages. And as soon as they hit 25, we don't want him in dynasty anymore. Which is like one of my biggest pet peeves. But... There's no reason to why he can't get a contract next year with the Steelers. I know he's on his last year of his deal, but he could be resigned if he stays healthy or even if he stays pretty healthy all year. I'm still all about James Conner. And if there's anybody that would take a team friendly deal from Pittsburgh, great character. Like the, the, you talk about different players and there's some character concerns. James Conner is not one of them. He would be the guy, I think, that would be like, you know what? I'm keeping my ass here in Pittsburgh. And I mean, Dan, you, you, Dan. it's a great story. Yeah. And yeah, I you, think you're totally right to bring up the locker room C-word culture situation because that's obviously a franchise that struggled with that piece, right? Like nobody needs a mom in the locker room more than the damn Steelers did. Mm-hmm. And so you have to imagine that, that the Rooney family and Tomlin want to focus more on that. And you're right, the Connor, that's a, that's a really good point, John. Yeah, he went to high school here, uh, Clareton, and you know I, I think that's that's important. To him. Again, you talk about character, and this kid, he is just oh my god! Like, I don't think we could ever. We, we, you can't look at James Conner and think there's anything wrong with him, character wise. And Dan, maybe you have talked some sense into Mitch, myself, and then I'm not saying that Liz helped push us over the edge, but she might have. I'm glad to hear Mitch has definitely come around on Connor there. And I think he's just in an excellent situation. You know, his injury was a shoulder injury. They really needed him last year. I think he pressed to be back into action. That set him back. But he, I mean, he's, he's an ox. His work ethic's great. He's at a prime age. And then, like you said, he's probably either going to sign with Pittsburgh or, worst case, he signs somewhere else. I just think he's in a great opportunity. And I love Liz's point, too, on Benny Snell. I think he's just a good football player. You saw that last year. I think you saw it in college when he gashed Penn State in a bowl game. He's just a solid football player. So uh, they're in a nice situation, Pittsburgh. And McFarland just gives him a nice little change of pace guy that is interesting to watch. There's potential there in the future, but not now. McFarland, so we- to me, is I, – I love everything you said, said, Dan, and I like that you're bringing up McFarland because I think, like I did, admittedly, like kind of wrote him off. But he, to me, is the understudy to Samuels in a way that Snell is the understudy to Connor. There's still – like you're not going to find a Le'Veon Bell. That's a generational opportunity and output, right, that you, you found in Bell. So, like, you have to imagine that in the current era of the NFL, you're going to run a platoon in the backfield of some sort. And to have – a uh, a Snell McFarlane or Connor McFarlane uh, situation makes much more sense to me than a, than Jalen Samuels continuing to like you know theore- theoretically be a part of things. It's almost a New England like backfield right now. It's a, what what a nice problem Pittsburgh has there with those four backs. Liz, before we move on, one last question. We talked about the tight end situation a little bit already, but in Dynasty, even though it is so long term. The short-term outcomes have huge implications on value. So who is the wide receiver two in Pittsburgh this year? And should we care? So I love that you're asking me this because I have gone back and forth about it. I will admit that I am not the knee-jerk Deontay Johnson truther that most people are. Not because I don't think the talent is there, but because I do think there's a rapport chemistry issue. Not as much of a problem in Dynasty. Maybe the team will wait on him to develop. But I also think um, you've got Chase Claypool there now, right? And in long-term situations, do I think that Claypool has more of a ceiling than perhaps Johnson? Yes. And when you add Eric Ebron, like Ben Roethlisberger has been chasing the ghost of the lunch pail since Heath Miller has left. He and Eric Ebron were are in a Christian, they met in a Christian men's group together. 
Big Ben has like refound God in a very public way. And he and Ebron bonded and he there's reports that he quote pulled strings to bring Ebron to the franchise. We know that he relies on the tight end. I am just off of Johnson because I'm not convinced that James White won't pop, that Claypool won't pop. I think of them, I would prefer in Dynasty, and I usually don't love to like, I don't know what the word is, like hoard rookies because I think that I like the win now mentality. But in that organization, I don't know if I would mind Claypool. Like, would it surprise you if this season he has like a multi-touchdown game and flashes in like week 13, and then and then all of a sudden heading into 2021, you're like, oh. Maybe this is the answer to the other side of Juju. You know, like Juju has the versatility, but let's be honest, he's a slot receiver and he needs someone on the outside to help him do his job to the best of its ability. I'm not quite sold that Johnson is automatically that guy for the long term. So for 2020, Claypool, Washington, Ebron, Johnson. I mean, I think for 2020, it's probably Johnson. But I also think that his current redraft ADP is too is too high. It's I think it's really inflated. He's the worst kept secret of 2020. There's no way people. I see him on a sleeper list. Get out of here. Dig deeper. Um, <laughs> I could I, I could appreciate that. And it was like last year I would see sleeper list and it was like, oh Daniel Jones, he might be a sleeper at quarterback for 2020. Everybody and their mother. My my mom literally knows about Daniel Jones. Come on. <laughs> All right. So let's move on here. We talked about the Steelers. You guys agree on that, though, because I feel like I am in the minority on that take. I agree, and I, I would also mm-hmm. say JB there. He's always too quick to write off James Washington. I think still think there's some good football in James Washington to compliment uh, Mr. Johnson. But what has he done with Ben? Absolutely. But Ben nothing. Ben recognized this offseason the steps he made when he kind of sat back and evaluated and watched this team. He saw James Washington's work ethic finally arrive, and he produced last year without Big Ben. I think there's some touchdowns in James Washington. That's the point without Big Ben. And who did Big Ben talk up last year during the offseason? Dante Moncrief. Where is he? He's bagging groceries somewhere. Well, Where's Moncrief? Don't break him up anymore. There's a guy in your – I was big on Moncrief. Like, also, everyone – I was too. I was too. Because process over result. Every time we did not expect those stone hands to be as stony as they flip and work. <laughs> I will say there's a guy in your chat right now who's a Colts fan, and he's like, I can assure you that in reference to Ebron, he has the worst hands in the league. And I want to be like, wait, did you forget about Dante Moncrief? Because he actually <laughs> is the Colt that went to the Steelers who has the worst hands in the league. And that was, mm-hmm. but it is a little bit worrisome that like big Ben likes these like large end zone, what like red zone weapons who can't catch. And he's doing it again with Ebron. So we'll see. And I, I put my neck on the line last year and I got into so many debates and arguments. And I said, Dante Moncrief, he is the wide receiver too in Pittsburgh but I'm not going to send him a Christmas card this year. So I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, all right, let's move on here to the Patriots. Cam Newton, he was your topic for your second article in the rest versus rust uh, series. Yeah. What are your thoughts here, Liz? I mean, to me, this was the most fascinating of the articles that I've written with Dr. Weber. Um, mostly because you hear Liz Frank injury and you think, Dunzo. In fact, there are, according to Dr. Weber, and I didn't put this in the article, but there are, there is actual literature, like medical literature from very well-respected orthos and orthopedic surgeon, like medical orthopedic professors, is, I don't, teachers, like professors who teach orthopedic surgery, um, that have researched this. And they specifically cite that rookies who report to the NFL combine with a Liz Frank injury all often have um, it's a negative predictor in that they have shortened longevity at the career at the pro level. So list Frank injuries are negative predictors for rookies who present at the combine. So you think, well, what do you, what does that mean for a 32 year old quarterback who's built like a lineman? Like how did, that can't be good, you know? <laughs> and Dr. Weber said, yes, but it is a problem. I'm going to talk some like medical stuff. So just hang with me. So in the list, Frank injury, the ligament that holds all the little bones of the foot together is torn. And when that tears, obviously the bones like need to be realigned. And that's what the surgery does. The surgery realigns those bones, but often, and this is like 
not as much of a problem for a regular non-athlete, those bones, there's a widening of those bones, which means they come back out of alignment. And there's no way to get back in there without another surgery. And that's why the players, it's why it hurts to step on the foot because the bones aren't aligned. And then once you start having numerous surgeries, like obviously there's scar tissue and other wrists and other body parts start to like atrophy a little bit. Again, when we're talking at an elite level. So I said, well, that cam's toast. Like this is this is no good. Like I, what what's going on? He was like, yes, but... Cam did not experience a widening of the foot. When he rehabbed and returned to sport, the bones in his foot did not fall out of realignment. They are, in fact, fine. And the only reason he had the surgery was so that he could trust his body, not that he was, like, trying to do it and trying to do it, like, rehab without the surgery. The only reason he got the surgery was so that he would know, as an athlete who is a mobile quarterback, 100% that foot was fine. That was the moment that I was like, oh, QB 11, let's go. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That is like one of those weird medical facts. Like I was playing the recording. I actually record and then transcribe the interview with the doctor. I was playing out loud and my husband like happened to walk past. And in the recording, it was on speaker, was Dr. Weber explaining all this and me being like, holy shit. <laughs> and then Dr. Weber saying, yeah. <laughs> and my husband like you're 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 nerds <laughs> what's wrong with you you're nerds um but that to me is massive and then when you consider from the football side of things that bill belichick who has a history of taking washed vets presumably washed vets at a league minimum deal and churning them out giving them a resurgence in their career there is no way that jared stidham as much as i thought he might that that alex that like a bad Alex Smith will be the starter in New England when you've got Cam Newton on one year for free. He's going to get his ass run into the ground and it's either going to work or not because the money makes sense for the Patriots. All right. So I, I have three things. You know, oftentimes I'm like, oh, I have a, th- a something I want to bring up or I have two things. But Mitch, you've been talking about Jared Stidham and you had him as a sell mm-hmm. prior to the Cam Newton uh, signing for dynasty purposes. So I'm going to get to you in a second for the impact this has on the rest of the roster. But Liz, one thing that was mentioned in your article was the fact that he's had shoulder injuries previously. And that doesn't seem like it was a concern for Dr. Weber. Correct. The doctor, I asked him about those. I said, the primary injury is obviously the foot. The secondary issue would be the the shoulder, um, which is also a negative predictor when presenting at the combine. And he said that number one, Cam is an anomaly to all athletes, like even at a super high level. Like we, he flips a truck and walks away. It's 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 just a different thing. Also, um, hey, he felt I, like I do the same thing though. I, I flip cars all the time. And you come out silky smooth. You come out silky smooth. You know? <laughs> that car just slid right off your chest. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Manscaped loves us tonight. All right. <laughs> um, um, but he said that the injury was an older injury. The second surgery was not really a surgery, but a clean out. Um, probably like a, a piece of loose cartilage or something that started to bother him. And that's why it affected his accuracy, but didn't like fully sideline him uh, until he got that hit from TJ Watt. But that was not a big issue because he had proven that he had come back from that. So that should be healed and fine. It's not to say that he won't get banged up, right? It's, uh, the, the conceit is not that Cam Newton, who's a physical player, won't maybe – he's going to get a concussion. Like, he is the king of receiving dirty hits because of his hot size. Like, maybe, unfortunately, one of those sidelines him. But he's not going down with a shoulder or a foot. Could be something else, but it's not going to be that. Now, is there – before I turn it over to Mitch and talk about the impact on the rest of the roster – Liz, is there any concern with, we've seen Bill Belichick bring in these, whether it's a receiver, running back, tight end, whatever it is, they bring them in on these contracts for one year deal and they cut them loose prior to the season. I think that's kind of far-fetched, but is there any concern there? Um, I would say that this, I was going to say, you know, this is an interesting season because of the lack of regular training camp, right? There haven't been OTAs or mini camps. Not that necessarily, well, I guess if Cam is new, like I was going to say, not that a bet like Cam would have to report, but I think he would when he's joining a new team, obviously. Um, 
I I think they've done their homework. And again, he's so cheap that like, and he's Cam Newton. Like this isn't, and, and there are quotes that I wrote in the article uh, from 2017 when Bill Belichick talks yep. about him being the mobile. And also this is something, I'm sorry. I know I'm all over the place, but I'm getting excited. Um, no, you're fine. Bill Belichick is probably one of the creative football minds. Not just like when you think Sean Payton, Sean McVay, you think they're like creative offensive minds. When you think of Bill Belichick, there is no better historian of the game. It doesn't matter what side of the ball. There is a very, as Pop Warner said, Pop Warner, the father of modern day football said, there's a very thin line between cheating and innovation. And Bill Belichick is the modern day representation of that ethos, right? So when I think about all of the things he's gotten to do, oh, there's too many running backs. Now there's one running back. Now we're going to go play action. Now we're not, right? He has always evolved his game with Josh McDaniels at his side. What is the one thing he hasn't been able to do? He has not been able to use a mobile quarterback because he's had the go for 15 fucking years. Excuse me. 15 years. Nope. You're fine. And we know that Tom Brady is not anything but a statue. He might be a very beautiful, excellently executed, like a Terminator, but he is not mobile. He moves like the Terminator, in fact. Now Bill Belichick finally gets somebody who can move. And as we are seeing, I'm going to ask you right now, whether it's in Dynasty or Redraft, who are your top eight ranked quarterbacks? I'm going to guess that all eight of them run like hell. There is the no part, the most part. Right. You do not want a statue. It's why Jared Goff isn't working out. It's why Pat Mahomes is what he is. It's why Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson are the quarterbacks of the future, even though Russell's been doing it for a minute longer, right? Like Tom Brady is vintage. And now Bill Belichick gets to completely have a modern day weapon at the most important position in football. I have three things very quickly. Again, I, I have three things. Look, Liz, Liz is all hot and bothered. She's moving her sweatshirt over there. Mitch, I'm going to turn it over to you in a second. Uh, item one, Liz, we let our guests run the show. If you want to drop an F-bomb, you drop an F-bomb. Two, we saw a very limited sample size under Bill Belichick with Jacoby Brissett. And what did he let him do? He let him run. He did. He designed plays. He let him move. And that's what they're probably going to do with Cam Newton. And then three, I've never wanted to fight a listener before, but I said I could flip over a car. And Kyle here says, that box doesn't count, JB. Kyle, in your defense, I don't even know if I could flip over a matchbox car at this point. But Mitch, over to you. What impact, because you've talked about this, and Dan and I, we had to sit there and listen to you spew your nonsense well the patriots running backs they're really going to do something this year they are I think, I think cam newton might have a positive impact there he will a, a big thing is so cam newton has never thrown for over 517 passes in his career brady hasn't thrown less than that since 2010 if you take out that injury short season so i think they are going to run more because that's what running quarterbacks do they help out the running game in so many ways and so like I'm not a huge Sony Michelle guy. I wasn't before, but I am now. Why not go and buy him or sorry, go and get him at his price? And Liz, Liz just gave you the finger like, hell no, yeah. No, no, no. I got I want to follow up with Mitch when he's done with this. All right. Perfect. And then like I still James White is James White. He's great to have in every league. It's not he's never gonna be the guy to where you're like, you know what? I want to go and have him on my team. But when he's there on your team, you're completely happy with it all the time. And it's this is extremely anecdotal, and it, there probably isn't anything real behind it. But when Cam Newton was the quarterback for the Panthers, the refs did a horrible job at protecting him. Happened all the time. I think with the Patriots, that could change. Uh, okay, can Lynch, I can I get in there now? Oh, up, there. Yep. Okay, so let's start with the backfield. You mentioned Sony Michelle. I am off. I have been off on Sony Michelle because I was not wildly impressed by his tape coming out of college. And I know that hashtag running backs don't matter. But like, at the end of the day, I think like talent is the tiebreaker. My issue with Sony Michelle, who's was wildly inefficient last year, and I do think would obviously see a boost from the holes that are opened up by a cam's mobility. What about Damian Harris in Dynasty? He's someone that even in redraft, I mean, you want to talk about like what does Bill Belichick and the Patriots organization, what do they prioritize? Multiplicity. Who is the only 
multi-hyphenate talent in that backfield. To me, it is Harris. Sony Michelle's going to get hurt by week three. He's going to have some soft tissue bullshit. And then Damian Harris, who sadly, there was a great narrative opportunity because he and Jared Stidham were like peewee football um, teammates back in Kentucky back in the day. Uh, so it was really like, that's the Jared Stidham. Like, oh, that would have been a good story. But um, but I think that Damian Harris, who is excellent. Like, I, like, like maybe he is, to me, is not doesn't have the ceiling obviously that Josh Jacobs has but he was like a good like a b plus across every single checks all the boxes not maybe like flashy in any way but like capable and again this is the Patriots what do they want do your job he does all the jobs so I like him a lot and when you talk about James White even though at his age I'm curious about Dynasty because obviously when you think about how often Cam Newton targeted his running back, especially when Christian McCaffrey, not to comp the two because they're obviously not the same, came to Carolina for, for a player with shoulder issues who has struggled with his accuracy. Now James White went from me being a, if we're talking redraft ter- terms, like a flex option in PPR-friendly formats to like RB2, you know, mid to low-end RB2, like a top 20, 25 level RB. That was actually my next question because, Liz, typically we see rushing quarterbacks. I asked Mitch, John. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm so used to it. John jumping in after each time. I'm like, I'm just going to wait. But, Liz, but no. Liz needs to come on more often, Mitch. She, she lets you and I talk a little bit more. Right. Thank you, Liz. Dan was is actually always been on the Damian Harris train. He is like, no, get Damian Harris. Get Damian Harris. I'm like, no, no, wait. But, you know, you – pretty much talked me into it now because I've never, like I said before, I've never been a Sony guy, but I, James White could easily be a back in RB2 in this offense, like without a shadow of a doubt, I could see it happening. I like it. I mean, again, Christian McCaffrey averaged um, 43 receiving yards per game. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's do it. Hey, the last thoughts here on new England, wrap up the new England bats running backs, just draft them all. New England backs always win you leagues. You just got to know when to, when to play them. Good luck there. But love Harris. He's got a bright future. The running, the receiving corpse, I think is a little bit underrated here too with Cam. You know, Harry's coming into year two. Look at that. Liz is feeling it. Anyone who's watching on Instagram knows Cam is healthy. He's in his prime years. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's playing motivated. He's got the master coaches. Harry in year two is going to take a jump. Cam's already working out with him. Edelman still has good football in him. Sanu's healthy. I think that was a big factor with him last year. It's just solid wide receivers. So Scott Fishbowl, fifth round, Cam Newton right here. I don't I don't mind the Cam Newton. I also think for Dynasty, though, like Nikhil Harry that you mentioned to me, Harry, yes, busted on his rookie season. He also started – he got injured in the preseason, opened week one on the IR. Of course he didn't have time to – develop chemistry and rapport with Tom Brady. Um, But I think there have been obvious changes, right? And now have we seen a player who no, isn't fast and maybe has trouble separating, but is a giant young target with an incredible catch radius work out for Cam Newton. He made Calvin Benjamin fantasy relevant guys. Come on. You're getting double digit rounds of redraft, like 13th round. Brady even mentioned Harry was, you know, working hard and coming along. We know how hard it is for rookies to develop right away. As you said, Lizzie was coming off that injury. So I think year two, he's into a nice situation. I have been dying over here. That is the longest I, I haven't talked on <laughs> Dynasty Theory. I get yelled at by Liz. If you get yelled at by Liz Loza, you tuck your tail between your legs and you're like, okay, okay. But guys, thank you for letting me join the show. So Liz, Liz, two quick oh, questions. <laughs> Two quick questions, Liz. One, we've seen rushing quarterbacks not always utilize the running back in the passing game. Yes, we saw Cam Newton utilize Christian McCaffrey, but I think I could utilize Christian McCaffrey in the passing game. Is there any concern there? And then two, yes, Cam Newton loves the big body receiver. Uh, Nikhil Harry, wide receiver 61 in redraft. Holy cow. But are we sleeping on Julian Edelman just a little bit? Can he outperform wide receiver 36? I mean, if we're talking, I mean, I think if you're talking dynasty, obviously Edelman has been dinged up for a couple of years, although he's perfectly capable of like jumping on cars in Beverly Hills and somehow evading arrest. But <laughs> fine. that was also like he got arrested outside of the El Torito. 
it's I think it's called Frida, but it's like basically El Torito. Um, and yes, I think in redraft, we're sleeping on him. He's got another shoulder injury. He never looked quite the same after that ACL injury. He started to look better, but never like before the ACL. So I think there's an opportunity there. I, but I'm a little bit, I understand that I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here. And I did write a nice piece about Julian Edelman and how he's a a solid value, but he was so much Brady's bestie that I'm a little bit worried about him being able to immediately. It's like when Jordy Nelson left for the Raiders, like was he washed or was there just not chemistry? Mm -hmm. Maybe it was a combination of both. So there's a part of me that's like, I don't know if, if that's going to gel immediately. James White, you would say though, even though I, piped him right like James White is kind of the same thing like he had Brady's trust he was a Super Bowl hero so maybe there's a little bit of that as well I just sort of feel like it's going to be one of those guys and when I look at this thing that worked best for Cam most recently it was McCaffrey and so therefore I'm more willing to place a value bet on James White than Julian Edelman and then for dynasty purposes obviously you mentioned Damian Harris and and Dan has just been Damian Damien, shoving him down our throat. And I keep saying, no, Mitch, 10 seconds. Do we want to invest in Matt Lacoste, Izzo, Asiasi, Kane? I love Asiasi because like Pac-12, watch Utah, all the Utah games. He smashed Utah this past year. So I definitely like him. So he's the guy that I have the most. Um, I said 10 seconds. Oh, my bad. The time's up. Done. All right. I told you I don't listen to you 90% of the time. I know, I know. All right, Liz, we don't want to keep you too long, but you did write one more article in the series. AJ Green, wide receiver, 26 in redraft, 45 in dynasty. How do you feel about AJ Green for 2020? I felt much differently going into this article and this interview with Dr. Weber than I did coming out of it. I was of the... Um, nobody disrespects the best jump ball receiver in the league. He will definitely bounce back. That was some bad turf that he slipped on. And then when I talked to the doctor, and I would encourage all of your listeners to read the article, but spoiler, the moment the doctor said to me, because I said, all right, over under 12 games. He talked about the recurrence of the foot and ankle injuries. Yep. And he said, I see him playing 10 and I, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, what? 10? I'm doing the math. And, and he was like, yeah, I just think like he hasn't, that's a situation where like the ankle, which was the most recent injury, right? The ankle might be, he said he anticipates the ankle being 100% to start the season. But AJ Green turned 32 in July this month. He's not been on the football field really since October of 2018. The December game was not something we can really count, right? Like, That's a whole lot of rust to shake off. And it would seem, this was my analysis as well, the way that the organization drafted and the clearly the new regime that ownership wants to stamp, right? They've got a Sean McVay disciple who was the quarterback coach to Jared Goff. Jared Goff was one of the players comp to Joe Burrow. I think there's a chasm between those two, but that was the comp or one of the comps. Um, And you have for the first time in 15, well, I I mean, last year, yes, but like for the first time in 15 years, a new coaching staff, an incredible upstart quarterback, you draft T Higgins, who is an AJ Green replicant. That term, by the way, was, I have to give credit to Andy Barron's who coined replicant for AJ Green replicant for T Higgins. Perfect. Um, It seems to me also, they did not extend AJ Green's deal. He is going to play under the franchise tag. All of these, and when the doctor said 10 games, all of these lead me to believe that T. Higgins is the future. And sadly, A.J. Green is the past. Now, whether he continues to mentor uh, T. Higgins or work as a decoy, that is all possible in terms of a career trajectory. But for fantasy production, I'm out. And you brought up T. Higgins being the AJ green of the future. And we've seen this for multiple franchises. You look at metrics and measurables, Deontay Johnson, Antonio Brown, Miko Hardman, Tyree kill. That was a different situation, obviously because of off the field issues. But Liz, just so you know, Drake here says those list Frank facts were awesome with a fire emoji. 
But and I, I maybe I misread this, but Liz, in the article, I thought it said they were talking about AJ Green it being an ankle sprain, but he went to get surgery after, and you don't typically get surgery right. for a sprain. So what should we be looking reading into that? So that was a little bit confusing. In fact, the doctor and I spent a good 20 minutes together trying to research because they did a very good job of keeping the details less than public. Um, for an ankle sprain, like I I had, I sprained my ankle when I was 15. It wasn't playing football. I snuck out of the house and meet a boy at the golf course and then slipped on a hole. So the sprain, yes. So there was a question as to whether or not it was a high ankle sprain. High ankle sprains do usually require surgery. I didn't put this in the article, but high ankle sprain, you tear the ligament that connects the tibia and the fibia. So those are part of your leg. And usually for a high ankle sprain, they have to get in there and they put like a, a structure and they like like a piece of metal and then they bolt it so that that um, is really stabilized. And that's why the recovery period is so long because you're having a foreign body replaced. Low ankle sprain or just a regular sprain, you roll your ankle, you tear or stretch the ligament, but it usually only requires rehab. The doctor's assumption, my doctor, Dr. Weber's assumption, was that there was a piece of cartilage or a foreign body that got loosed and was causing irritation. He had that cleaned out and that was why he had surgery. But it wasn't a, a big reconstruction. And, and Mitch, Dan, and myself on previous episodes, we've really we, we dove into Tyler Boyd, John Ross. If there's any you know other options there, Joe Mixon, that offensive line. So we're not going to spend any time on that. And like I said, Liz, we want to be very cognizant of your time here. Let's pretend like our listeners they don't know where to find your work because obviously they do. But where can they find you on social media? And what are you working on throughout the rest of the off season? Um, well, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and go ahead. Like, I love that y'all are on Instagram because I have found there's a really fun community fantasy community on, on Instagram that by the Twitter community is like poo pooed, which I don't understand because you want charts and graphs and all of that yep. stuff. IG is where that is at. And I've really enjoyed like fantasy football Lord and a lot of new follows, um, on on IG that I, I am learning from. So it's a great new community to be a part of. So go ahead. And then also like I post pictures of like, like me eating Takis, purple bag. <laughs> so um, you can follow me on Instagram at Liz Loza underscore FF and it's at Liz Loza underscore FF also on Twitter. Um, I have two more players to profile in my rest versus rust series. The next one up, it will publish live on Yahoo sports on Thursday is David Johnson. So I'm actually going to talk to the doctor tomorrow on Monday about David Johnson. And in my notes to the doctor, I wrote like, yo, is he washed? So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what he says back. Um, and then um, I'm interviewing Todd Gurley via Zoom on Thursday. Ooh, so I think well, that's cool. Up. Um, and yeah, you can just and don't forget to like check out Yahoo Fantasy and check out the Yahoo Fantasy football mm -hmm. podcast. Like I said, to start the show. You are one of the first guests that we had back in the day, all the way back there, like 13, 14 months ago. But then being a repeat guest on the show, I, you are a wealth of knowledge. So we are beyond appreciative that you were able to join us here tonight, Liz. Thank you, John. That means so much. I love your sister more, but you're a close second. Um, Mitch, <laughs> don't let him shut you down. Y'all have my Damian, my Damian Harris, Rocky yeah, boys. Like, right. I love this. John, you're the best. Yeah. Best. <laughs> no, we really appreciate it. Thank you, All guys. Right, well, I appreciate it. Absolutely. And if I don't end with our final segment here, Dan might jump through the screen. So, final thoughts. All right, Dan, you've been ready. What do you have? I came loaded with this tonight, you know, saying great minds think alike with myself and Liz, and that was even before the Rocky talk and youth sports and watching game film. So now I'm really there, but I did observe your Scott Fishbowl roster there, Liz. And, you know, I went in with the picking the 106 on purpose to get myself Dak and Liz at 103 took Dak. Is that conviction nice. boys? Like, wow. And then she went and took Eckler in the third, which I got Eckler in the six in the second, sorry. And I was between Eckler and Chubb and then, you took Chubb in the in the sec in the second or third there. So like we're thinking of like you took Connor in the fourth. 
So Liz does have skin in the game. She cuffed him with, uh, and I started to use cuff, uh, Benny Snell later in the draft. So she's standing by her picks here. She had a very balanced roster, which I loved. And then she ended her last pick, you know, standing up for social injustice. So hats off to you, Liz. Uh, you, you got it going on there. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you. That was very, I appreciate you taking a look. I'm going to tell you right now, if I knew that Liz took Dak at the 103, I don't know if we could have had her on tonight, guys. <laughs> kidding, of course, kidding. Mitch, what final thoughts do you have for the listeners? I'll just say it really quick. Um, with the players coming back into training camp this week, expect hundreds of them to test positive for COVID. It's going to happen based on the amount of players and coaches in the league. So when this news comes out, just be patient with it and see what the protocols are. Don't make any rash judgment on your dynasty teams based off of it. I like that. That's a good closing thought. Liz, like I said, thank you so much for joining us. And then I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. If you enjoy the show, subscribe and leave a review. Stay safe, be kind to each other, and have a great night. <laughs>